Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 140. We shall overcome the oppression of the aristocracy. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, the ever fantastic and extraordinarily sexy Josie Pirelli. Nat's queen, Josie Pirelli too. So, I thought I got the whole thing right. I memorised it. You sent it to me over the, over the email. You said, yes. say these words. And, say and I miss- these words exact. Add queen at the beginning of Josie. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. So, sorry, Queen Josie. To my right, Brett Cropley. <laughs> Viva la re- 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 <laughs> Republica. <laughs> You'll be the first one up on the gala, uh, up on the, uh, the scaffolding. You would the, like uh, me to be. Oh, yeah. You'd <laughs> like me to be up on the guillotine. Oh, see, it started already. Ready Box- to double good, on top. Good, 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 good evening, viewers. <laughs> Box cutters bon all about television. It is all about television. It was it, no, until about two seconds ago. Yeah, when it became all about you, damn Josie straight, Pirelli, damn straight. Filling in for Ross, who is still looking after his baby. You didn't have to look after Ross's baby this week, Josie. Not this week. Okay. Not this week. I've been looking after many babies, but not, but not Ross's. Not he, Ross's. he still doesn't trust me with his child. Right. I think Tori Spelling's still over there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Looking yeah. after Ross's baby. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, all about television. That's what Box Cutters is. And we have a huge show from Save Our SBS, the lobby group. We have Das Cassidy coming in to tell us all about Save Our SBS, what they stand for, what they want to do, and uh, and hopefully have a discussion about whether SBS is evil or not. That's Which my that's are. my intention. Yeah. Are they evil? You just want to you just want to get to that groundbreaking information. Yes. That yes. is that is your want. That is your is, mission. Is Sean Brown the devil? Is he the devil? That's what I want to know. Pleased to meet you. Hope you get my name. Yes. There's a whole sympathy for the devil. Oh, you know what? If Mick Jagger, if Ooh. Mick Jagger ran SBS, it'd oh. be completely different. He'd know exactly what to. You know, Mick, Mick Jagger speaks a fantastic French. You know, Mick Jagger. Have you heard the story of how he calculates everything to the T at the end of every concert? They did the spoof and the parody on The Simpsons, where at the end of the concert he goes back and he puts on like his little cap and the specs to the end of the nose and calculates everything, makes sure everything is where it has like to goes be. Goes over the accounts. The damn straight. Oh. So that's yeah. why we need to get. Not only does he speak French, he will go over the accounts, so nothing will go missing anywhere. Yeah. He can communicate with the people on so that's, many levels. That's it. That's, that's right. right. All right. Well, that's it. We don't. We don't actually need Dust Cassidy to come in now. We've solved that. <laughs> we solved. We've it. solved that issue. We've also got an I don't buy it. We've got the answer to last week's box cutters quiz and the winner of a crumpler bag. We've also got a whole bunch of pork. But let's kick things off with the box cutters news. And in, in, in news about the destruction of the aristocracy, here is Brett Cropley. Big Brother will not be returning in 2009. Yay! Just as I was starting to enjoy it, I never followed the fad and I've got into it this year. Really? I know! But you know how I'm like, I don't follow the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I rule my own democracy. I, 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 know, I know a few people who have gotten into it this year. Nellie Thomas, who has been our co-host a, a couple of times, we forced her to watch it and mm. now she's hooked. Oh, really? Yes. These people are incredibly boring, very long in the tooth. 
But they, you just can't stop watching it because, I mean, what else is there on offer? Home and away. And uh, 15 minutes extra of current, of current affairs. I spit everywhere because I'm so venomous. <laughs> <laughs> So what, why is uh, why is Big Brother ending? Well, it why, seems why is it uh, walking up the stairs to the guillotine? It seems we have a new Australian kiss of death. Joe Stanley, not the only one who can go in and uh, kill. Jackie O, like the Ebola virus, kills right. everything. Right. So Australia's princess. Australian <laughs> princess. Surprise, surprise, gotcha. Mm-hmm. As I stutter, surprise, surprise, gotcha. Uh, um, what's his name's Angels. Oh, Thorpe's angels, under, undercover angels, uh, the chat room. Remember that oh. when they started to sing Bohemian no. Rhapsody to Roger Taylor and you Brian May. You don't remember that the, was chat the chat room? It was uh, Channel 7's Evan, attempt at the, at the at panel. panel? This oh. is car crash TV at its best when they invite Roger Taylor, Roger Taylor and Brian May, who are notoriously private people, who are very shy and very selective in their interviews. At what point? What was the selling point? Come on the chat room with Tracy Bartram and Matt Tilly <laughs> attempted Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> the panel with Mick Malloy, which was the entertainment reporter. As one line quoted, she made entertainment news sound as saucy as washing dishes. <laughs> she, was, she, she was on that, Mick Malloy. She, she was like, this used to read news. And, um, and she's always got that gulping thing. And... Um, and uh, today on the entertainment front, Mick, and he'd be standing there like the banana that he is, and she'd add absolutely nothing. So, so is yeah. it is it At purely all? because of Jackie O that she Big Brother's ending? She is the death. Uh, it's Kyle's eye. If anyone's been watching <laughs> again with Kyle's eye, have you not seen it? I thought that eye was going in as the intruder with Pam Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to drink here. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't be drinking on air. I shouldn't. That's right. He's taken up a drinking habit because I'm on air. I have. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm looking at the uh, media release from Channel Ten, and of course, it's all it's all positive. But the only possible reason for it to be getting axed is lack of viewers and too yeah. expensive. Uh, it's to uh, last eviction show registered less than a million viewers. Oh, really? Yeah. Because mm. no one cares. No. no one gives a rat's ass. People just want to put a hand grenade and piss them all off. And so, how did the uh, how did the Pamela Anderson one rate? Because Pamela Anderson strangely went into the house. It's, but what? she she lives with Tommy Lee. She's married Kid Rock. She married Rick Solomon. She's been married them in bikini. She's had two children. She doesn't there's care. There's nothing she won't there's do. There's nothing she won't do, and there's nothing she's afraid of. I think it was uh, after she married Kid Rock. It was obvious there was nothing she won't do. Well, uh, she the, was on Borat as well. Oh, that's yeah. true. She was, hel- she was hilarious oh, on Borat. Was, but, was she a willing participant? Yes, she was. She Sorry. was a very willing. She was very happy to boast about that. But, I mean, after she's married Kid Rock, and their marriage lasted all of about four minutes, going in to meet five of the most boring so, people. So not as long as their video. Not as long as the video. That's right. Well, see, and this is – because I, I, I saw a little bit of the uh, of the show where she went in. Of course he did, Josh. Uh, but didn't get to watch all of it because it was uh, on a Monday night. It was uh, on the Monday night that – no, was it no, on a Monday night? It was, no, a, it was a Wednesday night. It was a Wednesday night, night and it was you? it was competing with uh, two other things that I was recording, and uh, and, and it was and it so just it was, it mucked was, up your shampoo and of your hair night yeah, too. Did. So was that at the seven thirty slot or in the seven o'clock slot? In uh, seven thirty slot. Seven right. seven thirty to nine thirty. But we saw her all of about five minutes. We saw her limo arrive. We saw her for the last five minutes in the house, and in between they did the montage crap. They evicted another boring housemate. 
Yeah, it's had and to so, go. But that rated what? that rated well, but the eviction shows have not rated well. And no the one. eviction shows is where they've really made their money in the past. Well, I mean, it was a huge advertising. Well, well it get was more a than twenty people turning up to have a look at it. Well, that's live. it. And they used to do that whole. I don't think that that whole big promo this year. I don't think so. It's all going to be different. These housemates are controversial. They all cry in the house. Nobody's controversial, mm-hmm. and they all get the modern day commodities. They're like prisoners. They get modern day commodities. Why don't they make them suffer? The, the freezing pool, the conveyor belt of food. Wasn't somebody locked in a combi? Isn't that suffering enough? What? Why do they have to? That isn't that Australian beach culture in the summer? Why do locked they have to combi? make? But Jesse, why do they have to make them suffer? The the first two seasons of Big Brother were, were about watching people that we could relate to. Yes. On television. And now it's about watching extreme people, people with uh, extreme views or uh, people pe- who are put in for, for controversial purposes, you know, put, put a yeah, racist in. Yeah, and they do nothing. With, with, uh, and did nothing. And, and they, and they, they became friends. Yeah. They yes. became friends, like the vegetarian and the abattoir worker. Great friends. And so, you know, I think they, they've really just dug their own grave. But it's like the whole thing is like a game show. Like you would think that they would have a bit of cold water in the showers like they used to do in Series 1. I mean, if they put a camera on us all day, which we are incredibly interesting, sexy people. Like like here with the video podcast. That's is, right, the video is, podcast. No video hotness. Podcast. But people want to see funny things, expect the unexpected. No one wants to see someone going in and blowing their nose, flossing their teeth, or just talking, you know, cracking a bad joke. Yeah. You can get that at a Christmas party. So they've so Channel Ten have announced that there will be no Big Brother in two thousand and nine. Uh, it the the concept may live on in a new project in, in two thousand and ten. Right, I find. In that other hard words, to it'll be rested forever. Yeah, R.I.P. Well, well, why would why would Channel Ten spend the money to buy the rights for two thousand and nine, which they would have to do in order to hold on to mm. the rights? Uh, for 2010. They, they, they basically don't want to say it was the crappest year yet. We should have pissed it off when the turkey slap incident happened and that would have been the end of that. They're trying to say, well, no, it's not, it's not, the, it's not the host, it's not the people, it's just not raining well, we can't afford it anymore. You know, it's the, it's a sub story of when, you know, you're getting dumped or when you're getting sacked. Yeah, oh, no, I mean, that whole, me. Yeah, I'm, that whole story. I meant to do that. Uh, so the last... <laughs> Episode the season finale will air next Monday the twenty first of July. Okay. Oh, I'm going to miss it. Yeah. And then they'll be that's sitting there, you know, here. when they watch the news that's happened over the past three months. Mm. What's it going to finish with? You know, usually they go, and this is what's happened, and it was a night of nights at the Logies, blah blah blah. And then it'll just have at the end. And by the way, uh, Channel Ten mentioned Big Brother will be axed, so they're going to come out to and go hi, hi. To, that, to, hi. to the eight people to the eight people that bothered to turn up. Yeah, it's uh, it's terrible. Hey, uh, Mark Burnett, who is a, a favourite topic of mine, uh, is in court. He's been what? sued by a uh, his former right hand man, uh, Conrad Riggs, who uh, worked with Burnett for over a decade, uh, helping produce Survivor and The Apprentice, amongst the Apprentice. others. And Riggs uh, was under a verbal contract to receive ten percent of everything that Burnett Productions brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was very happy with that. Uh, recently, though, uh, Burnett just stopped paying him. Uh-huh. So he went and did a, a bit of an Eddie Maguire uh, with the uh, the block producers. 
Uh, if you don't have it on paper, it's not worth. It's not. It's anything. yeah. It's not worth anything. Why do people do these? You know, so his, deals so like more money. Great. So Riggs is suing Burnett for seventy million dollars and a continuation a of his fee. After so uh-huh. so seventy million dollars that he's missed out on. Yep. And a you continuation do, of his fee. You never do ongoing. verbal agreements. No, it's well, ever. Some people. Yeah, but you, you can, can't. Friends in business, it's always a bit of a deadly mix. You have it down on paper. That's why I have no friends, because it's strictly business. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is kept. I am a natural hoarder of every email, letter, correspondence. I haven't signed anything that you sent me. Oh, but uh, there is. There are some things that don't warrant a signature, Brett. <laughs> uh, Riggs uh, says that he was the mastermind behind the uh, the, the deal that uh, Burnett had with uh, CBS for uh, the so first write it down Survivor. on a piece of paper, even well, if it's toilet paper. Write it down, and this is it. And I don't know if he has. It'll be interesting to to see what what happens there. I mean, Burnett, Burnett Productions in the last few years have tried to come up with new series and they, they really haven't succeeded very Some well. Some haven't, but The Apprentice. Got to love that because I just finished watching Celebrity Apprentice. How good was Celebrity Apprentice? Let me put up the arms. That was just the best. I watched every show religiously. Every show. It was. It, I was spewing they missed out on one that I had to go onto Wikipedia and find out what happened. <laughs> but... The Piers Morgan Trace Atkins final. It was great. The new contestants are going to be announced soon, but two of them, one is Heather Mills and the other one's Joan Rivers. For, for next Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, for next Celebrity Apprentice. It's, it's fun. It's so anyway, so Mark Burnett in, uh, in Hot Water. Isn't Joan Rivers a bit too old to be an apprentice? Isn't she a bit too old to do most do things? Do most things. <laughs> but wouldn't you love to see her and Heather Mills on a team together? Oh, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, both are using many words that I love as my uh, second language. Mm. Going uh, head for head, her with a fake face, her with one leg. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Brett, what have you got? Kerry <laughs> <laughs> um, Stokes' Channel 7 has reportedly taken a stake in James Packer's Consolidated Media Holdings. Another nail what? in the nine coffin. So, what? Kerry Stokes owns Channel 7. Jamie Packer owns, uh, well, he's, he's one of the owners of, uh, of consol- Channel 9. Yeah. So Channel 7's buying out Channel 9? Yep. To a point. To a point, because they it's don't want a, Channel 7 to be taken over by the Packers. It adds up to a 4.82% shareholding in CMH. Mm. Still, smart. still conflict of interest. Well, still smart move as a businessman. I applaud Kerry Stokes. Another didn't smart didn't move. Uh, Fox buy up a bit of Nine as well when that first came out? Uh, didn't Murdoch jump in just in case? Yes, yeah. I, think, I think they became, yes. Yep. That's also that's also conflict. I, I think I think it's, it's ridiculous that we could have a uh, a television network that is owned by all the other television networks. That just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, How, where, where, where is the line? Like, uh, if if I as an investor bought up stocks in uh, Channel Seven and Channel Nine or CMH, at which point, like, if if I bought fifty percent of both companies, where's the line that as kind of just a regular on the street investor. I should think, stop. Uh, I, I think that uh, bringing up fifty percent of of each company is uh, is definitely crossing the line. There, and there has to be a, uh, a a percentage amount that as as an investor. But I I think in any more than two percent, and uh, and and you've got a, a conflict of interest there, it, where you suddenly have uh, say more shares than the average investor. 
mm. or more than the I, median I don't investor. think that 4.82% would give them a board position, for example. I think he's just protecting his interests. Kerry Packer's just he's done that as a strategic... Kerry Stokes. Kerry Stokes. Kerry Packer... Long gone, Kerry Packer. Has left the building. Has left the building many moons ago. He's taken a plane and flown away. Um, Kerry Stokes, as I get my Kerry's right. Um, Purely strategic. Purely strategic. Kerry Stokes, of course, is no stranger to controversy as far as shareholdings go with uh, buying up WAN, West Australian newspaper. Yes. Yep. He knows what he's doing and he invests well. Like he's just bought, um, I think, the Victorian Cross. He he does a lot for the military. He buys whenever soldiers have passed away or people can no longer afford, you know, things and and families put up the medals or the soldiers themselves. He always buys them to protect the history. They're putting soldiers on sale. The soldiers on sale. They're putting anything on sale. And he always, he'll always buy it. And it's purely, you know, I think he loves the industry. He believes in what he does and it's purely, you know, I don't think he has any interest in buying Channel Nine. I don't think that's where he's at. I think I, it's just protect his interest. So Channel Seven doesn't get taken over. Just, I, just, I, I, just, I had no idea you had the uh, TV Week pinup of Kerry Stokes in your bedroom. Kerry Stokes is a very hot man. Yes, <laughs> fellow sand grouper. Maybe he's just trying to uh, to retrieve that payout that he had to give to uh, the other channels just, after mm. losing that court case about uh, oh, seven. Uh, the the how many court cases has Channel Kerry Stokes sports cable channel? How how many court cases have Seven lost since? Uh, but I think it keeps quite, him young and quite, healthy. He quite doesn't. A few. I I just I can't see that it's going to be good for television. I can't see that the whole CMH thing is going to be good for Channel Nine at all. I mean, well, it already has Channel shown Nine, that, that it hasn't been good for well, Channel Nine. The thing is, Channel Nine is slipping, and the fact is that James Packard doesn't have interest in the television side. He has interest in the development side of casinos and well, all yes. that because he's just bought um, Birdswood Casino in West Australia. He's redoing that. He's got his eye around the world. He doesn't have the interest like his father did in television and keeping it very, you know, that sort of thing. So he's sold a lot of that. So I don't think he cares. And in fact, Consolidated Media Holding doesn't even own Channel 9, but it owns 25% of Channel 9. 9. Because so, haven't so they in sold fact, it? it's just over 1% of Channel 9 when you Oh, it yeah, okay. That, you, yeah. I, I think it's just to protect the thing, because I think eventually James Packers is just, he's already got rid of the company. Well, yeah, I... I really don't care about. I, I I think that the idea of a consortium running a television network is not great for that for that television network. I don't think that's that's good for television. Hmm. Uh, but w- when you put in in those terms, as far as him owning you know less than one percent hmm. of of Channel Nine, now now it's okay. Now it, it also, makes a lot more sense. It also holds a quarter stake of Foxtel. Right, yeah. mm. right. Finger in every pie, Harry Stokes. Yeah. Smart, so man. Well as, uh, Smart man. Smart man. We know you'd like him to have a finger in your pie, Josie. Well, you know what? <laughs> Enough said. Because I love <laughs> Kerry Stokes. Speaking of uh, speaking of Kerry's and uh, and Kerry Packer, and as Kerry mentioned Pack- before, mm-hmm. Kerry Packer mm-hmm. is dead and, and never. Left, yep, left the building, gone. No more have we seen a, a sign of his absence than now, when Channel Nine have uncovered. The Doug Mulray naughtiest home video show. They've uncovered it. They've, they've uncovered it. They're going they've to. Discovered, they've discovered the tape. And they're going to replay it. And they are going to play it. Are they going <clears> to <throat> upload it on YouTube? Because you know YouTube now, there was someone 
I think I'm an amazing dancer. I don't know why I haven't been approached to dance with the stars. It was this I guy no that did, I don't know why. I don't know who makes these decisions. Got to talk to my mate Kerry Stokes. Anyway, there's a guy that uploaded this atrocious video of himself dancing, doing nothing. One million views all over the world. Most watched video. Oprah had him on his show. So the Doug Mulray might have a new cult following. Have you still got the tapes that you can upload? I've got many tapes, including the ones of me and you, Brett, that we can upload. <laughs> pay-per-view. See, I haven't even seen that one. Oh, pay-per-view. That'd be sexy. How sexy. If it's a pay-per-view, can you imagine how much money we're going to make? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even believe what I'm hearing. Michael Healy, who is the uh, the, the uh, head programmer over at Channel 9, has watched the tape, uh, apparently. This is uh, according to The Australian. And desired, decided that it deserved another airing. Have you seen the original airing? Did you ever watch that night when it was the naughtiest home video? I mean, Doug Mulray himself is feral. He doesn't, he doesn't it was right. It was terrible television under every single... Definition of that phrase. It was. It was. It and was then, absolutely and appalling. And and the fact and that literally got pulled off air. That was a well, funny. And the fact that Kerry Packer used his authority, which he very rarely used to, to that immediate extent, used his authority to pull it off the air, showed perfectly how much he understood the medium. Apparently, and, with a phone call saying, "Get this yeah, shit off my station." Yeah. yeah. And yes. uh, and. Uh, you know, and he knew television. It was terrible television. Why? Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe he uh, took a leaf. Community yes. standards have have shifted in the seventeen years since that. Well, you'd think he's very white collar, the old Packer, because his father, Sir Frank Packer, used to run Channel Nine, and he led the march to get rid of Graham Kennedy because he didn't like Graham Kennedy because of his lifestyle. So that's why he did those infamous crow calls. So he knew that he would get time off. Graham, he wanted to get sacked. He wanted to go. And uh, so because he, he was getting pressured from um, Sir pa- from uh, Sir the Frank. old Sir Frank Packer, mm. so I think his father goes, "Well, you know, I won't be made a fool of. I'm going to get rid of Doug Mulray." But it did nothing to stop Doug Mulray's career. He still went on. He came back and did that show like Star Search or something on Channel Seven. And Joseph Amorosi. Always a terrible television host, though. He was just a, always a terrible it's, everything. He always yeah. reminded had that me of a biker head. without the leathers. Oh, but he just looked wrong. He looked like that uncle that comes near you at a Christmas do and just won't stop talking about nothing, and he just follows you around because he just got uglier and uglier, Doug and Mulray. I, I still, I, there is still no need for 30-second clips of donkeys having sex on television. There's, <laughs> there's no need for that. And, and Brent, you've, uh, you've got some sad news to... Yes, in uh, Dearly Departed's uh, news, Tony Snow, the former White House press secretary, has passed away uh, after a long bout with cancer at the age of 53. Mm. So it's very sad. Tony Snow was a shining light in an otherwise appalling bit of of news coming out of of America, especially from the Bush... Uh, the latest Bush the latest administration. Uh, he was uh, always a, a professional and, and understood the media that that he was talking to. Not only for for television, but uh, but for print and and for radio. He understood his role. He understood the medium of television very well. And uh, quite recently, we've seen him as a guest on the Daily Show, and he understood his role there very well. And uh, just a, a, I think he. He was an exceptional uh, example of of his craft. It's uh, it's a shame, and he, you know he was uh, he was looking a lot better as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
So apparently uh, not. Yeah, hmm. it gets us. So uh, Tony Slow, Tony Snow, he's two absent friends, and that is the box cutters news. Bonjour tout le monde, bienvenue à Box Cutters. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Box Cutters. This is Toby Sullivan uh, displaying his bilingual prowess on the best TV podcast that uh, I've ever encountered. And you couldn't expect a better introduction to Australia's multiculturalism than the bilinguality of Toby Sullivan. And with regard to Australia's multiculturalism and our special broadcasting service, SBS, which has featured quite heavily on box cutters over the last... I don't know, let's say almost three years, uh, as far as uh, crap TVs go and things like that. There, there are huge criticisms, and a lobby group has formed called Save Our SBS, and we've got Das Cassidy here to talk to us about Save Our SBS and uh, some of the things they're doing, some of the things they want from SBS. Welcome, Das. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Uh, the, uh, let's start with how long has Save Our SBS been around, and, and why did it come about? We've really only been around about a year, uh, and we came about uh, particularly because we just got pissed off with the way that advertising is destroying uh, SBS as a multicultural broadcaster. It's not just the annoyance of having ads in the middle of programs. I mean, that is bad enough. But it's the more fundamental thing that it's doing, that it's taking it away from its origins uh, of being multicultural and um, moving it much more towards mainstream television, uh, it's to the point where the special broadcasting service is no longer special. The the obvious question here is how does uh, advertising m- make it less multicultural? I mean, sh- surely it's the the programming that makes it multicultural. How how's the advertising interrupting that? It's because programming, of course, uh, tends to follow advertising. If uh, you you want to make uh, more money, uh, you want to sell audiences to advertisers. That's what advertising is about. You know, the, the station, its product is the audience, and it sells this product to the advertiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last thing you want is uh, moving from Greek to Turkish uh, to Hindi because you keep on fragmenting your audience. So uh, that kind of broadcasting, be it in radio or television, is not very suited towards maintaining audiences, which which is what advertisers want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one of the reasons why, for example, in prime time, 80% of SBS television is now in English. Because that way you can hold an audience, you can hold them there for a long time, you've got more minds to sell to advertisers. Now, SBS dispute that fact. They say that only uh, 65% is in English. Uh, so so the, the numbers are coming from, uh, from various places. How did you get your 80% number? Uh, we got our 80% number by looking at the Green Guide, but you see, the SBS, they have a little trick. They redefine prime time. Prime time is meant to be the time when it's most convenient for most people to watch television. And the Australian Communications and Media Authority, which is the official government regulator, Mm -hmm. defines this as being between 6 and 10.30. The SBS get their 65% figure by by moving the goalposts. Going from 6pm to midnight. That's right. Which is what the the ratings system does, the the, uh, 
television rating system does. Yes, but that's not, of course, what, what any common sense understanding of prime time is, nor is it what the official regulator says. Right. So, it's, so, so you're saying 80% of uh, English programming between 6pm and 10.30pm, which includes the news... Yes. Uh, which has always been in English, and, you know, that, make, that makes sense. Except when they ran Vox Populi years ago, which yes. was often in other languages. Oh, that's true. Uh, and, of course, Vox Populi was greatly missed by ethnic communities when it was... I mean, it went years ago, of course. Um, so, yes, they, that's been gradual, of course, but it's increased, particularly since they took the more aggressive stand that, uh, to advertising, and particularly since they decided to interrupt programs. Okay, so what about the the claims that uh, Sean Brown makes of uh, advertising gives them the opportunity to to make more uh, Australian shows that are about multiculturalism, to buy shows like uh, Kick and East West 101, things like that? Uh, Well, obviously it does, uh, more money. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gives them the opportunity to make more shows. But I think they calculated that... uh, in, in net terms, once they'd paid their costs that they paid to their advertising agents and so on, they were going to make about an, an additional $10 million a year in terms of um, the, 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 this extra advertising money. Yep. Um, and that was going to go, and what, what, what are they going to do? At the same time, they announced a new program they're going to produce that was going to cost about $10 million a year to make. And it's an Australian motoring program to compete with Top Gear. Well, it's it is Top Gear. It's 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 not competing. It's it's uh, it's, pro- top it's, gear. it's product they already have. Yes, yes. Uh, but with uh, uh, with a, an Australian presenter, essentially with with Australian presenters. Yeah. But other, other than that, it's uh, it's a concept they already have, which mm. I I personally find uh, a little bit redundant. <laughs> just just personally, but. Uh, at the same time, they are they are doing other things, and I, I'm far from SBS's biggest fan. I think the the news particular has has lost a lot from yes. going to to an hour in length and uh, going through uh, with advertising within the news. Uh, where does the SBS charter actually sit with advertising? The charter is very broad. Um, so the Charter has nothing to say about advertising as such. The Act uh, permits them to take advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Minister, Stephen Conroy, uh, has expressed the view that he believes that they have read it too broadly, that it was never really intended. Well, um, but um, It's worded in natural program breaks they're allowed to have advertising, right. which, which kind of meant that uh, they could have advertising in between programs rather than cutting programs and putting breaks and putting commercials in there. This is where the debate comes. And what is a natural break? Um, is, is it a natural break in the football when someone kicks a goal? Um, well, it's, that's it's, arguable, isn't it? That's what that's what Channel Seven has led us to believe for many, many. I mean, when, when fact, I was when fact, I was a kid, there was always engineered so that they wait until Indi- the ads have. Well, uh, yeah, there is now a light at the oh, for for a long time has been a light at the MCG to to tell the umpire when the ads have finished. Uh, yeah, look, about thirty years ago, a guy from uh, Canada came in here, a guy called uh, Professor Dallas Smythe, and he came out, and I remember interviewing him on the ABC, and he. He said, oh, you know, uh, television, it's going to change the rules of football. I said, what do you mean? 
And he said, well, it's done it in, in the US and Canada, and uh, in, in, in the US uh, there's a rule that says when uh, an umpire puts a cap on his head, a certain thing has to happen. And I said, oh, come on, you know, it's a bit... And, of course, a year later we had World, World Series cricket and the whole... It wasn't football that changed immediately, it was cricket, of course. Yep. Um, uh, but, of course, it's, you know, it's, it's very powerful, and sport... Uh, produces a lot of audiences, uh, advertisers really want it, so you really have the opportunity uh, for advertising to change the rules of the game. On the, on the point of sport, though, SBS still haven't gone to the, the point where uh, when a goal is scored in soccer, they go to ads. They still show the whole 45 minutes. Uh, that's probably, I think, the, the last bastion of the uh, ad-free uh, t- television on uh, on on SBS. Well, it'd be a huge explosion if they did. Uh, uh, even uh, Eurovision now has uh, ads. It, it, it used to have, well, obviously no ads at all, just top and tail, uh, and then had ads just before the voting, and now it has ads put uh, all the way through. It's it's been the hist- history of advertising, hasn't it? When it started in in the United States, when it was just on radio, advertisers never mentioned uh, what they sold. All they would do was at- attach their name to a, uh, an orchestra. So you had the Browning King Orchestra and you had the Goodrich Silvertown Orchestra and you had the Ipana Troubadours. Mm-hmm. Now, no one ever mentioned that uh, Ipana sold toothpaste or Bra- Browning King made overalls. It was all just very discreet. But gradually, as time went on, they got more and more robust. And one of the most wonderful examples of how advertising broke out of that straitjacket in the United States was during the Depression. And um, uh, one of the big tobacco companies was having terrible problems selling their cigars because the the opposition was saying Cremo cigars are made with spit. It's like, you know, the the rumour that Mexicans pissed in the beer or all these other things you hear. Well, this was happening in 1929. So suddenly... This is when the breakthrough happened, uh, and it, and in, and the, the Cremo military brand would would sort of fade down for a few moments when an announcer would shout into the microphone, "There is no spit in Cremo." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, with the with with the way SBS has has been going and uh, and the road that we think we can see it taking, what are Save Our SBS actually doing to to help that? Or, you know, to hinder that? So uh, we have um, put together a petition which 7,500 people have signed, mm-hmm. uh, which we have handed to the minister. We've had some discussions with his office. Haven't been able to get to him recently, uh, but we're speaking to his advisers. He has expressed concern about what's happening. What he's going to do about it um, is yet to be seen. Uh, our next step will be to release a, a statement, um, the title of which is The SBS Must Be Special, because it's our argument that it's ceased to be special. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- this has been signed by a whole lot of key people in the film and television industry and, and in literature and the arts. Uh, and uh, one particularly big name who I just heard about tonight, which I can't tell you about yet, <laughs> uh, but but a, a person who was very influential in the foundation of ethnic broadcasting in Australia. Right. Um, so. Oh, there's Murray. <laughs> <laughs> 
so um, uh, we'll be releasing that shortly, and we're, hope, we're hoping that will will again uh, raise the issue. Uh, and obviously, you know, we'll do all the things that that pressure groups reasonably do. We'll we'll keep on shouting about it, and we'll keep on talking about it. Now, from a casual observer's kind of viewpoint, it doesn't seem that well. It seems that Sean Brown has been been brought in, appointed as head of SBS specifically to uh, kind of bring in these changes, to bring in advertising, yeah. uh, to to kind of change the focus from uh, broadcasting for for the community's purposes and changing that to a, a ratings grab. Yeah. Um, we've definitely seen programming that, that's yeah. kind of going down that way. Who's responsible for appointing Sean Brown? Uh, um, well, well, the board uh, makes those the appointments of the chief executive. Which uh, is made up of? Uh, which is made up uh, in particular of uh, um, uh, a former colleague of mine, Gerald Stone, who um, has been at the forefront of this uh, this push. Gerald, of course, has made that journey from from being, uh, uh, you know, a left liberal. He wrote a wonderful book when he left America at the height of the Vietnam War. He called it War Without Honour. It was a book in opposition to the Vietnam War. But, of course, as he's grown older, Gerald has grown more and more conservative. I think all those years working for Packer uh, was part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he and uh, people like Christopher Pearson, also a member of the board, have been at the forefront of pushing uh, a very conservative agenda and I think that's why they chose Sean Brown who had become notorious in New Zealand uh, for virtually destroying TV, TV New Zealand and um, the New Zealand Prime Minister Helen Clark has had some interesting things to say about uh, what she thought about Sean Brown mm-hmm. and uh, so I suspect that that was the very reason why uh, the SBS board uh, picked him up because he had shown himself to be uh, an aggressively uh, you know, pro, pro-advertising, pro-market and so are those are those board members federal government appointees? They are federal government appointees. the The interesting thing is that the new government has uh, promised a a change to that. Um, what they're not doing, to their credit, is having an immediate clean sweep of the board. Uh, because if they did that, that would only encourage next time the government changing hand, the new government to do the same thing. And there's already been too much of that. Mm-hmm. So what they have said that they will do is that as uh, board vacancies fall due... Natural attrition. Yep. And natural attrition, they'll be replaced. But even that will be put on hold until they put into process a, a plan based on uh, what in the United Kingdom is called the Nolan Rules, uh, which is that During the government of uh, Margaret Thatcher, uh, there had been a whole lot of this board stacking going on. It really got on the nose with the British public. When John Major came in as a Conservative Prime Minister, he appointed Lord Nolan to look at uh, sort of probity in public life, and he came up with a whole series of recommendations, uh, which the Rudd government has agreed it will now follow. Uh, This will mean that in the future when the board of the SBS or the National Museum or the ABC or any other similar public authority when there's a vacancy, um, the first thing is the job will be advertised. There'll be selection criteria. There'll be an open and transparent process where a committee uh, will make a short list. A short list of, say, three names will go to the minister. The minister will in the end choose... Uh, if the the minister will still have the power to appoint someone not on that committee, but if he does so, or she does so, they have to um, 
uh, write a written explanation to the Parliament as why they haven't chosen someone on the short list. What this does, of course, is not guarantee that we're going to get good appointments, but it does at least guarantee that we're going to know about it and when something is on the news, we'll hear about it. it. Yeah, yeah. Now, SBS was created in the 1980s, yep. uh, in the early 80s, uh, to meet a special need that uh, was developing in Australia, or, you know, ha- had been around for, for a long time, uh, and met that need for, for a very long time. Uh, Josie, I'm, I'm sure your house as well as my house. Yes, yes, uh, the good is, old Italian homes. It, it was all... Loved uh, it. Uh, it, it was all SBS all the time, essentially, because these were images that we could get from, uh, you know, from yeah, our, pa- our parents' it, homes. That's and right, because they all of a sudden they, it could connect them to, as we were saying off air, could connect them to the news that they wanted to hear from their own countries, their own communities, and it sort of it brought in that sort of that. They didn't feel alienated in a country that they sort of had migrated to. They felt like they were a part of a country, but they still knew what was going on home. There still there was that sense of security and that sense of knowing. But twenty five years down the track, and uh, first generation Australians like like ourselves uh, are starting to to have families and uh, and uh, are building up, and the the needs of the multicultural community change as the generations move on. Now. Uh, do you think that SBS has moved with those changes? Has there been a study into uh, the needs of the multicultural community now and how SBS is serving that community? Yes, there have been a number. One in particular by the by Griffith University and funded by the Australian Research Council uh, showed that the need for news about home... Is, is not as great as it used to be, mm-hmm. not because people aren't interested in, in what's going on at home in Turkey or Greece or Italy or wherever, uh, but because some of that is available through well, the internet. The internet yeah. and but but what, what still remains particularly is uh, the need for, for, for what's going on in the local community. community. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and it might indeed be the whole Greek community in Australia or the whole Turkish community or whatever. Um, But there's a great need for that, and that was one of the things that this uh, study showed. The other thing, of course, is language and cultural maintenance. Um, uh, And I don't know how good your Italian is. My Italian's okay, but I'm not Italian at all. He knows a few swear words. (laughs) (laughs) But what we find about uh, a lot of the children of migrants uh, is that uh, they don't speak the language as well as their parents do um, and their parents get uh, ashamed of them. Why don't you speak pro- proper <laughs> Greek? Or, um, so uh, this is important if, if people uh, who, who come from another culture who want to retain a bit of that identity alongside their mm. other uh, Australian identity, uh, this is an important factor. The, the other particularly important for, thing for people as they get old who've grown up in another language, mm-hmm. um, that you can you, you start to lose it again as you get old. My, my, my brother-in-law is Ukrainian. Uh, his mother is losing her ability to speak English. Right. Uh, and, and she is fortunately in a, in a Ukrainian nursing home where... So, so this, you know, for the el- elder members of the community, uh, for the younger members... 
the ability to hear their own language, to speak their own language, and and to main a, maintain a connection in the, through the uh, with the culture through that language, but also to mm. other things that are happening in their culture, um, are very important. So it's not a matter of saying, "Oh yes, we had this big wave of migration." You know, in, in I the agree 60s with and what, you're, what you're saying there exactly because my grandparents had migrated over forty years ago, and it is true. Once they get older, the the maybe the bits of pieces of English that they've picked up just drops off completely. Mm. Mm. And they used to love when it was like a Friday afternoon they'd have an Italian movie from Toto, who was a big comedian mm. in mm. Italy. And it was Friday was Toto, Sunday was Toto, and everyone had it. Mm. And we grew up with what my parents used to watch. Mm. So, again, you learn the language and you retain what was important to them as well. And that's, that's I think, something that we're, we're missing out on, especially with... Uh, I mean, for, for me, when I was a film student, it was great to be able to rely on SBS to show films by De Sica and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and Fellini and, uh, and the, the, the French greats got out. You know, it was, it was wonderful to, to know that there was a place you could go to learn about those cultures. Uh, and I'm seeing it less and less on, uh, on SBS at the moment. And, and also, you know, my mates growing, growing up, SBS was where you could see tits. <laughs> you know, well, that, 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 was, that was the slogan, you know. That's where, you know, you'd see everyone just toddle off at a certain time yes. to see that. Uh, <laughs> when they called it sex before soccer. That's yes, right. Yes. yes. And, uh, but, you know, it served, it served a need, whatever that need mm-hmm. was, whether, uh, whether it was hearing languages that were only spoken at your grandparents' house or, uh, or you know, a little bit of perving. Either way... <laughs> Either way, it was satisfied a niche. It, it's, oh, no, it satisfied a niche. But I think one of the, the big problems that it had uh, that it, it is causing difficulty in, uh, in it justifying its own existence is that it would show, you know, for Josie's family, uh, come a, a Friday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon... That would be when they would watch it, but then uh, a Greek or, or a Turkish show, would, and they would they would turn off. Mm. Uh, mm. There wouldn't necessarily It'd be, be the continual the flow through the, of, the, the of continual viewing. flow through, mm. uh, and 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 that's very difficult for a a television station to justify its existence when it's showing a program to you know it, it might be over a twenty four hour seven day a week period covering a large segment of. Uh, of the, the the country and and the community, but in any half hour one hour block is covering a very very small percentage of the community. Justifying its continual existence must be a, an ongoing struggle for it. Well, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, that that is a real problem when, when you're seeking to be funded by advertising because of that thing about fragmenting audiences. Um, but if you're saying, oh, yes, um, if it's Tuesday, it must be Hungarian, um, well, I, d- I don't see a particular well, problem with it. The way I see it, it's like when someone watches, uh, you know, your seven, nines and tens, it's not going to be something that you're going to continually watch. You'll switch from seven, nine and ten and you'll flip over. Mm. There's, I can't tell you that I watch Channel 7 all Monday. So I think for us in our home, that was sort of how mm. it was. They just knew that that hour or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and the European, it fed the European mm. niche. I think what's happened now is it's lost what its original focus was. Mm. It's now, it's, uh, it's supply and demand to the advertisers because the way they're thinking is, okay, well, this is what's happening. And to me, it's almost that mentality of there's successful TV shows from different countries. Well, we'll just replicate that in an English-speaking format so then we'll, re- we'll eventually get rid of the European shows and everyone can focus on and bringing back that Australian thing. But 
if I know because I, I was with Channel 31 for many years and Channel 31 started to do the supply and demand mm-hmm. of the ethnic programming. So like we were saying before, if it's not necessarily the mainstream, the movies and that mm-hmm. they came from there, it was what was happening in their community. Yeah. And on Saturday afternoons, there used to be your Vox Populis and all mm-hmm. that and everyone loved watching it. Now on Channel 31, you have the Sri Lankan show, you have this show, and those people come in droves because finally they can see what's happening within their own community. Well, here's, here's the question, and, and my biggest fear with, uh, you know, I, I hate change as much as the next person, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I'm, I'm also concerned that SBS might get left behind. I don't think necessarily the direction they're going in is the right direction, but they will need to mature and and move on. And I'm wondering if the community aspect that we had isn't now covered by community television. If if you know, it, and and we see things like mm. uh, Salam Cafe, which came and from, from thirty one, and, and has gone yes, and has crossed gone over, and uh, and. We do see that as a, a chance for communities to have their voice. That's right, because the SBS used to be, you wouldn't see those mm. shows anywhere else but SBS, and it was a multicultural voice. And then mm. 31 became the community voice if you mm. weren't seeing certain things, and then it became the crossover, whereas now it's like SBS has morphed into what the other stations... There's the potential for community television to do that, but we haven't seen much of it happening Mm. anywhere much out of of Melbourne. Um, For example, in Perth, uh, the station there actively discriminates uh, against ethnic programming. Uh, There's a rule in their constitution which says that ethnic programming cannot make up more than 10% of the total output when when migrant communities are much more than 10% uh, of the Perth uh, population. Only ethnic programs have to present, before their program goes to air, a complete transcript of everything that's said that doesn't apply to others. Uh, So ethnic content has had a very tough time Mm. in making it in community television generally. Mm Melbourne has been a bit different. Melbourne, in a lot of ways, is, is, is often you know, the most yeah. progressive yeah. Uh, city. But just coming back to this question about the, the fragmentation. Television is particularly different to radio. In radio, people tend to have a, a main station and maybe a secondary station, and that's what they listen to, this, those two stations or whatever. Television is mu- always has been much more about cherry-picking, that people are prepared to sort of go here, here and, and there. there, particularly with the advent of um, hard disk recorders and so on. Um, so if we are to go back to that model of, you know, if it's Thursday, it's Hungarian night, uh, I think it's still quite a... Uh, you know, an acceptable model for television um, because people will yep. be prepared to to find the programs they want uh, and and increasingly uh, to record them and watch them at their mm. leisure. That's it's still a, a viable alternative. Okay. Well, uh, where to from here for, for Save Our SBS? Uh, we just keep plugging away. We, 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 we just keep... As I say, our, our next step will be the uh, the statement, which we've got signed by a whole lot of big names. Um, we hope that will uh, raise the issue again. Uh, we are continuing uh, to lobby uh, politicians, mm-hmm. uh, particularly been concentrating on the Minister for Communications, but we're, we're also planning to, to get around and talk to all of them. I think it's a mistake to think that... Um, Everybody in the Liberal Party is in the Neanderthal. There are, in fact, (laughs) 
In, in it's fact, pretty we've, safe. <laughs> well, no, we're, we're, we've had some very good um, discussions with Petra Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that renegade. Uh, we've had some uh, very good support from Nick Xenophon and the new independent senator from South Australia. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll be talking to everyone. Uh, really, you know, to anyone who'll listen. And uh, for listeners uh, who wanted to get involved with Save Our SBS? Uh, yes, our website is www.saveoursbs.org and uh, you can contact us through there. Great. I've, I've got just uh, one, one last question. I know it sounded like we were wrapping up, but uh, <laughs> what is the ultimate goal for Save Our SBS? At, at what point will you go, right, our job here is done, we've done, an ex- we've done excellent work? I don't know that we'll, 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 we'll ever be done because I don't think that uh, the pu- public service broadcasting, I think, is always going to be under some sort of challenge. Um, uh, but uh, if, if we manage as a first step uh, to get the, between pro- the within program advertising abolished, mm-hmm. uh, I think that is the first step along the way. The second step along the way uh, would be to get all advertising uh, abolished, and at the same time, obviously, um, the the funding increased, um, so that SBS can, uh, you know, effectively pursue its charter. When you look at the funding uh, for public service broadcasting in Australia, and if you put the ABC and the SBS together, because they're really the the two sisters, um, the ABC and the SBS between them have revenue of less than one fifth of the average commercial channel, less than one-fifth. If you compare them to the BBC, less than half on a per capita basis. Mm-hmm. Um, if you compare them uh, to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, uh, can't remember the exact figure now, but uh, they get about two-thirds of the funding per capita, uh, as, as happens in Canada. So if, if you look pretty well anywhere in the world, comparing it to commercial channels, comparing it to similar Western countries. Both of our public broadcasters are hugely underfunded, and of course the SBS in particular. And when you start to compare the SBS to the ABC, it has you know so much less again. Um, so that's a, uh, that's a big push, uh, but we'll, we'll be... Uh, We'll be fighting there all the way for that. Excellent. That website, again, is www.saveoursbs.org. Thank you very much, Darcy Cassidy, for joining us on Box Cutters, uh, especially on this Bastille Day, this, uh, this, this great multicultural day of, uh, of liberty and fraternity and equality. Indeed. Thank you very much. Are you one of those that follows the ads? Follows, 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 follows the ads. Pepsi is putting coke into their ads. I can talk as much as I want. Got the sly look. Sly look. Sly look. Hello, this is Ricardo Montalbán. Get me a jury and show me how you can say hinge your line. Go down on you. I don't buy it, Brett Cropley. I don't care what... Don't try to convince me otherwise. I don't buy it. What did you buy? I don't know. What are you talking about? I'm talking about open up. Uh, with the, uh, he's uh, looked at me with the twisted hand, going open up, open oh. up with a, a skewed. Uh, what are you doing, on, tuning on, Tokyo? On <laughs> <laughs> the viewers of the video there podcast is. will get that. <laughs> it's it's okay. times like this. I'm really glad there is no video podcast. <laughs> really, open up on a woman talking uh, about. Uh, 
teeth and toothpaste uh, with a super a, a company professional talks about sensitive teeth. As she's talking, uh, her, her name and title come up, Jennifer Collins, manager GSK Australia. She says, sensitivity can happen to anybody. Often uh, when they've had ice cream, a really hot cup of tea or coffee, they'll put their hand to their mouth. Non sequitur. Super comes up, what does she recommend? Chances are the solution is going to be really simple. Swap and use Sensodyne twice a day and you get the benefits of a normal toothpaste. You don't need to be adjusting your lifestyle. All you need to be doing is adjusting your toothpaste. She sounds quite knowledgeable, doesn't she? She, she does. Yeah. She does. Yeah, she, sounds, just, she sounds very, very knowledgeable. Sounds, she's just some, some company professional. She's she, a manager. Sounds, she sounds like a woman who uh, has had experience with, uh, with mouth pain mm-hmm. from extreme temperatures. Sensitive and, teeth. And, uh, you know, if she, was, if she was wearing a lab coat, I'd be, uh, I, I couldn't be more convinced by what she's saying well it didn't actually say what what she managed um so, well, GS- so i was curious, GSK. What, what is this gsk and uh tracked it down online GlaxoSmithKline, uh, really? which is a company improving health and quality of life <laughs> according according to their website and uh they make things like ribena panadol aquafresh and sensodyne right so this is a little <laughs> bit of uh ken bruce has gone mad <laughs> but for, for this is I liked the company so much I bought it. This is what she's doing. She's doing the self This is infomer- This is infomercial territory. Yeah. This is infomercial. Anyone that watches late night television knows that after the fabulous air supply on Time Life <laughs> or you get Kevin Cronin from Ario Speedwagon, you get Peter Fonda, you get Anyone what, is, that, what is Peter Fonda selling? He's selling the 60s flower power. And he comes along and he's still wearing the same outfit from Easy Rider. It's like he's just parked his <laughs> motorbike after 37 years of riding and oh. comes in to do the whole, hey, I'm Peter Fonda. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, what gigs would we go for him now? You know, he's probably thought, I'll get in on Time Life, like Jane got into with the aerobics videos. So this is just totally, you know, now these are the mediums because they're saying, you know, if this goes on at night time, if, if what she's saying, the I don't buy it that you guys are referring to, I don't buy half the things that are on the infomercials, but apparently peak ratings, peak selling. It's, a, it's, it's amazing. So, it so- is amazing. So this woman is smart. Well, she is smart. She's getting in on the. She's a Victoria principal. I'm, I'm not sure that it's actually been her idea. I think that that her employer, GlaxoSmithKline, maker of Sensodyne, have, have said her? we have to make an ad. Here's the script for you. Read away. But she doesn't care because she's going to get the endorsement. She'll get to use this and she'll get the money for is, it. So is she is she an Australian woman? Is this an Australian? It, it is an Australian accent. That but does it hear. look does it look dubbed? It doesn't. It doesn't look like it's come from uh, NTSC. Because okay. the because you know I remember the older the old ads with Lorraine Bailey biting into an ice cream and lightning going off in her mouth. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was impact. Yeah, that's that's what I, you want. I, I I knew that she was in pain. You go. You don't want Lorraine Bailey, who was doing Carson's Law at the time, to be in pain. No. So if this was healing her to be able to sit on the bench, oh, I can relate to her. I can relate to her. I'll buy what she's. I'll having. go with what she's. She having. went through some horrible hardships during the war with Dave and and all oh, those, the all those troubles that, with he, that he had, and all that. And, uh, and then fr- from there, you know, went went on to to start her own law practice, and, uh, and just... her husband died, and it was it was all sorts. But... Of, she's gone. She she knows pain, 
And that's what she feels when she bites into and an the, ice cream. And it used to go through the roof, all the sales for that, because people, they, she was an icon they can identify. I there seems to be. And, and yeah, I, I don't buy this woman who works for the, the company, company. Endorsing the company. It's not, not it's, right. It's not right. It's not but right. But if you had someone else with a bit of impact that maybe was – a bit more topical, a bit more interesting. A famous person. A who famous we could all person. Trust. Well, look, yeah, a, tr- a, tr- a it, trustful. It is the name. Look, there's Robert De Costello. If you know Robert De Costello, <laughs> is uh, you that's know, why has... I take Centrum. Right. See, there you go. What about the well, thinking back in the day, Grant Kenny when he used to do Nutrigrain, that he was the Iron, Iron Man. man. Remember that? And he used to have his big face with the goggles and the swim cap, and Nutrigrain went through the roof because people thought they're going to be an Iron Man like him. Yeah. Although the flavour of Nutrigrain's revolting, people wanted to eat it because I'd, they're going to be an Iron Man. So I'm going to have to turn your microphone off because I, I cannot hear a word against Nutrigrain. <laughs> <laughs> Nutrigrain brings me back to being a flower girl in 1984, like and I saw bats. and I saw more Nutrigrain outside of me than inside of me. Um, But there does seem to be a a bit of a a battle of the toothpaste companies at the moment. Uh, McLean's with its enamel strengthening uh, magic paste. Um, There's there's another ad, which may be censored on as well, I'm not sure, Um, talking about food acids and eating apples is bad for your teeth, apparently. Really? Because the, the acid eats into the enamel, which is a living organism. And uh, so, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't eat apples, which shouldn't is something that no. I've been so saying. So you can't even be, breathe in the juices. air. Sh- shouldn't have fruit juices. Shouldn't be be eating apples. What about eating other fruit? What about eating peaches? Uh, probably. Bad. Probably, probably Bad. shouldn't shouldn't be eating peaches. No. no. Right. Okay. I've been right all along. Should only be eating Nutrigrain. Nutrigrain. The Iron Man food. Yeah, yes. that's it. You uh, should yeah. be testing all your food for its pH level and only take those from the alkaline side. Really? I guess. Really? Or brush with Sensodyne or McLean's. Or what, what if I eat an apple and then take a swig of my Lanta and, and spray <laughs> that around my mouth? Does, that, does the alkaline there uh, counteract the, the acid from the apple? Hmm. I think we'll have to get our uh, men in white coats to, uh, to look into it in the box cutters research Because, Brett, I would trust you with my dentistry as much as I would trust some manager from GlaxoSmithKline. <laughs> well, thanks for that. I don't buy it. Okay, question three. Which yeah, can I... All these going to be about war? No. i got loads of... i got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Thanks very much to Crumpler who give us bags to give away to our listeners in exchange for them giving us an answer to a quiz question. Now, Josie. Yes. How much do you know about family ties? Oh, I know a little bit. Do you remember when Tom Hanks was uh, on family ties playing Ed, Elise's brother? Do you remember Tom Hanks? He used to be a good actor. Do I remember Tom Hanks? He was in in Bachelor Party. I worship the man in all B-grade films he, he did. Was in the the Money Pit. Oh, the the Money Pit. Splash. How great was the Joe, Money Pit? Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, that was no good. And don't, Any film. He could play a piece of poo and I'd go and don't, see him. Don't come to me with, with Splash is a B-grade film. Splash is A-grade. Triple absolute. A, triple X-grade. John Candy, triple and, X-grade. John Candy and Splash is one I've of the I've grown funniest. my hair to look like Daryl Hannah. And you do with that information what you want. Ah, so it's, but mm. you've got you've got the uh, evil like D- Daryl Hannah's evil cousin. Yeah, the the Mediterranean evil cousin from across the shores. Well, Tom Hanks was on uh, was on a couple of episodes of Family Ties, playing Elise's brother Ed, 
And Ed went through a number of problems. In one, he was uh, an embezzler. In another, he was an alcoholic. And in the episode where he was an alcoholic, he comes down the stairs. Alex is in the kitchen and Ed is hunting around for something to drink and reaches into a cupboard and finds the one bit of alcohol he can in the Keaton's kitchen. The question was, what does Uncle Ed drink? The answer, as given correctly by Grum, whose real name we are going to need <laughs> yes. at some stage. But Grum, congratulations, you answered correctly. It is a bottle of vanilla essence. They, they hit the hard stuff back then. Yeah, really. well, this is it. He was so he was so desperate for a drink. He drank a bottle of vanilla, vanilla essence, essence. Well, and that's it was going to be either that or crusty cough mixture. And that's when he knew that he had hit rock bottom and needed help. It's a it's a very very touching episode. Tom Hanks's episodes of uh, the the one where he's uh, an embezzler is hilarious. That's really good. Had had he had an intervention of some sort? Was there some reason why he couldn't just go down to the local bar? And ring out the beer mat. <laughs> oh, it was it was in the it was the middle of the night. Yeah, he would just yeah. decide in the middle of the night. Bars, and bars weren't open in uh, in uh, Cleveland or wherever. Yeah, they were. Take a road trip to <laughs> Vegas. He, he could he could have taken a road trip to Vegas. That's where all the but, good alcoholics go. But not not in his state. He wasn't fit to drive. He was not fit to drive. What state was that? Uh, I thought they were in Ohio for some reason. Really. Yeah. So I would have put it more Massachusetts or like a, maybe Northwest, maybe Washington State. Well, if you know, this isn't a quiz question, but if you know what state uh, in the United States the Keatons lived in in family times, please let us know, hooray at boxcutters.net. I'm sure people are going to be able to find that on the uh, on the interweb somewhere. Uh, congratulations, yeah. I, I probably could too, so don't bother sending us yeah, links hey, to hey, just no. fucking Google it. <laughs> Uh, the uh, uh, that crumpler bag will be coming your way. I'll be in contact this week. Grum, good work. Mm. Thank you very much to Crumpler. They make wonderful bags. Yes, they I do. Um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Now, I've had. Some unconfirmed news over unconfirmed the week. Following news up, as I grab another pen, we're doing pointy pens. Following now. up from our report last week that Shane Bourne has said no to he said no the bingo. Powers of Beer Channel. He said, said no bingo. He said, I think he actually said, hey ho, hey ho. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, uh, that was the quote. Um, unconfirmed from an inside source, Andrew G. Really? Mm. Really? Mm. See the tall one and the short one? The, Actually, they're both tall. Yeah. They're oh, both gee. really But there's he's... one that looks like he's a shorty. Yeah, yeah. The, the one with the, the dark curly hair. hair. Oh, so the... It could be Mark Holden. Hang on. He he hosted that horrible contest yes. on Channel 10. Yes. With the Duclos. That was terrible. He's a bad host. Why would anyone think that he'd We've be a good host? We've had to endure him for six years on Idol, and now he's going to be with Ricky Lee and James Matheson. So unless... It's been a flippity flu that he's going, and it's just going to be James and Ricky Lee doing Idol. It's going to be very interesting. Both of those, both of those men are extraordinarily tall. I, I stood next to them uh, once and uh, and just went. And right, I'm going to I'm going to stand away. And if extraordinarily I'm away, unfunny, I, I, they so are taller them or Hamish and Andy. Oh. 
because I was surprised that they have. Actually, you know what? I've never there. seen them in the same room at the same time. Oh, oh that. <laughs> let's just say I think Andy, Andy Lee, and uh, Andrew G. I think Andrew G. might just pip him slightly at the post in in height. Oh, really? In height. In height. Yes, I haven't gone to the other height, but the height of height. I wasn't yet. even. I, I <laughs> you I looked with, at me with the raise of the I eyebrow. Thought you were saying going, maybe with talent, or I was just asking you to be more specific, Josie. Oh, look, I've known Andy Lee since he was eighteen, and he was always tall. And then I've uh, met Andrew G., and he's quite a tall man. I'm thinking he may be perhaps slightly taller than Andy Lee. Right. So you got to think, Andy Lee, Megan Gale is that Amazonian, nearly six foot, and he's taller than her. Well, the thing is, Andy, Andy does uh, stoop a little bit when he... Uh, when he, he's, he's not straight and tall like, uh, like Andrew G. And, uh, and so I'm thinking if, uh, if Andy Lee stood up straight, he might be taller than Andrew G. Mm, he's, he's, got the, he's got the tall man's stoop going on. Mm. Mm. That's It'd be an in- interesting one to find out. Yeah. The exact height and report back to your people next week when I'm not here. What a riveting so, episode of Box Cutter this is. <laughs> so if that turns out to be the case, then uh, Sonia Kruger's been screwed over once She's again. been oh, screwed over ridiculous. and boned. Or they might put Koshi because they're testing out Koshi. You know, so, they yeah. Sevens line. So, they test Have you watched it. any of that? He's got the small mad scientist stoop. Yeah, he's going, and today on Battle of the Choirs. Let's say, remember that voice. It's terrible. He 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 does he does have that terrible, terrible voice. voice. Oh, what did you think of that choir? He uh, <laughs> really just just horrible, and just he can't talk, he can't ad lib. He does. He he started on Channel Seven as the finance as the man, finance guy. and that show stunk with his family. Yeah, what was how I cripple my family's spending or whatever that was called. And he had yeah, that this- ugly family of his, and it's like. Okay, we get it. We got it, you know? I just, I just don't. Hey, speaking of hosts, Jodie Mears, we didn't talk about this last week. Jodie Mears. ran out of time. Missing in action because she didn't want to look the fool on the final. Now, she was hosting. She was hosting Australia's Australia's Next Next Top Top Model. Model. And, okay, this is the second season that she's hosted it, and she was terrible both seasons throughout. She cannot... Terrible in what way? She cannot host. She's got the gulping thing like Jackie O. She can't ad-lib. She can't read off an auto-cue. She's uh, not very good doing post. She just has no natural talent towards... I don't know. What are you making there, Josie? (laughs) Doing origami. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Making you a swan. Thanks. <laughs> no, no natural talent as far as hosting goes. She makes great bathers, apparently, but uh, just no talent as as far as hosting and goes. And I, she's only there as host because she is a, an ex model. But, but so is Charlotte Dawson. So is Charlotte Dawson. Now, who's Charlotte Dawson? Charlotte Dawson's an old battle axe that used she's... to be married to Scott Miller, the swimmer. You remember him? Don't, don't start going into the, the gossip. She's, she's an gossip? Ex- I'm well, getting up to speed. She's an, she was well, he guy as well. She's an ex-model. She's an ex-model who is one of the judges on Australia's Next Top Model. And, uh, was she the she one was, that stepped into the breach? She, she actually stepped into the breach last year at the live show. Uh, because it was clear that Jodie just did not have the chops to carry off a live show. Now, this year... So Jodie was part of the panel last year, and Charlotte was host. This year, uh, Jodie pulled out the day before. So right up until the point that they were going to go to air. And they knew for so long 
when they were going to air, they knew what was going to happen. And, and they, there were so many weeks between the, the show, show going, going to, to air and to when the final was on. Which was live. Which was live. So by the time you sat through three months of eliminations, these people have been groomed and pristine to ready for the final. And she and she could have So, so the models would have had like three months of throwing yeah. up. Yeah, they did. That's right. Throwing yeah. up, getting pristine, getting... Little little fat Demelza really had uh, had a lot of time to, no, to, to lose all, not, all of that weight. Yeah, uh, all of that weight. I can't believe how fat she was. <laughs> oh my, just a big butter boomba. I just <laughs> could not believe it. This tiny little thing, and they're just yelling at her because because she's too fat. Whatever. The thing is, she had enough time to lose all that weight. Jody clearly would have had enough time to, to say, "I can't or, do this," or do some training. And apparently, learn how to do it. apparently she did. Apparently she did do the training. She gave Fox Tell her word that she would be okay. And she gave many interviews which said she's already done training. She's sitting with coaches. She's learning and whatever. Now Brian Walsh, who runs Fox Tell, his defence was, "Oh, look, we've known for some time that this wasn't going to happen, but we didn't want to make the speculation around Jody not being there. We wanted to focus on the girls." Had they mentioned something before, as you said, you know, maybe a month or two before and said, look, she won't be at the final, let the hoo-ha go until the next story happens. Mm-hmm. And then Charlotte Dawson's prim, not take the focus, because you can just imagine the situation. Mize would have just gone, no, nah, I can't do this. She would have had an, a heart attack, anxiety attack and gone, I can't do this. And then and so do this one day to, before. And Charlotte had to step in. Had to step in and did a, did a fantastic job. She's made for that show. She's made to. She's got that Janice Dickinson appeal about her because, as we know, Janice Dickinson does America's Next Top Model. She did. Janice Dickinson's a a nut bar, though. She is uh, a big nut bar, but Charlotte Dawson also has her nutty moments. The uh, the the thing is, though, Josie, if if someone does you wrong, yes, do you give them a second chance? Now, this is an interesting question. If someone screws you over, do you give them a second chance? Well, people, there's always that thing, people change and things change. Right, because Jodie Mears has just been signed for her third series of America's Next Top Model. Uh, Australia's Next Top Model. She, but she is going to host the next season the last, of Australia's Next Top Model. The last Model. I, but he- I think, saw, she was heading over to France and didn't want to have anything to do with Australia. Well, Australian the thing is, stuff. she screwed up the first time, second time. I mean, how many chances do you give someone? But obviously, they're, they're investing in her. They obviously think she's got the goods. They're crazy. I, uh, I, well, Brian Walsh has uh, slammed reports. This is uh, according to uh, news.com.au. He has slammed reports claiming executives on the model contest we were, quote, furious after Mears pulled out of the live decider over stage fright. He says nothing could be further from our, uh, you know what? This is from Confidential. <laughs> I've just realised this is from Confidential. And let's, it goes into the bean. Let's talk about it no more. That brings us to the end. Of Box Cutters episode 140. Brett, you've got your bottom lip sticking out. You've, you've got something, some, yes, some it last is words. The end. No, I don't know. Oh, it, it is actually the end. It's the end. It just wow. doesn't feel right, does it? Doesn't I know, feel it, doesn't, right. it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. What? <laughs> we were just getting warmed <laughs> up. I was thinking of all these other things. As per usual, Josh, can I cut my lunch? That's okay. Well, oh, well we've you got know, time. Got time. <laughs> the music came Come up. On. It's gone down. Again. No, it's all right. I want my own show next time. What do you What do you want to say? Go on, say it. Oh no, I just want to say the, thank you very much the, the for inviting time, me you know, to come back. You just, you've been making a swan. 
I, I thought you were done. I, I was, really, uh, no, I, I really, was, uh, I you sorry, I, I drew a flower, but can you understand this picture? Do with it what you want. I wish people could see this. Good night, everyone. This is... Uh, Hold it up to the camera. Oh, she's drawn me the finger. Right. <laughs> what does Brett interpret that as? Uh, Brett's gone, watch YouTube, pay-per-view, Josie and Brett's <laughs> finest moments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to say thanks very much to Das Cassidy from Save Our SBS for coming in and telling us about their plight. www.saveoursbs.org. Very important mission. I'm not sure that it's a plight for them, is it? They're, they're electing to get together and well, that's true. Try, to, it's, uh, try to affect change. They're crusade. They might come out with a song <laughs> like, you know, Do They Know It's Christmas or We Are The World. Oh, they might be come great. Out with a, they that might come out with an SBS song, you know. SaveOurSBS.org is where you can find out more information about that. I want to say thanks very much to Josie Pirelli, despite <laughs> the fact that she gave me the finger earlier. The finger. The finger. Thank you very much It's for, always a pleasure for, for the Queen cutters. to come and see some lovely men. It's lovely. Thank you. It really is lovely. I want to say thanks very much to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors. They give us bags to give to you. They make excellent bags. I use mine all the time. So do I. You can find them on the web at RR. No, at Crumpler. At, at, at RRRRR. At Crumpler. Get it right. Crumpler.com.au. I was thinking bag. I'm just trying to get things finished. I also want to say thanks to 3 Triple R, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. Where's their website? Oh, theirs is at rrr.org.au. RRR. It says something that came out of Doug Mulray's uh, oh, show. Three hours. Go home. And Go uh, home. 102.7 on the FM band in Melbourne and surround. That is great. If you liked this podcast, please go into the iTunes Music Store or whatever else you use as a podcatcher. I went looking for the Yahoo link. There is no Yahoo There's, link. You know what? There, there was a Yahoo link and then I changed it. Down the side? Yeah. And then I changed it because I went after we had this discussion about... Does Yahoo is there a Yahoo link? I knew there was a Yahoo link there. This was last week's podcast. Yahoo used to have a podcasting. Yahoo used to have a podcasting service, which they closed down in October last year. Did they? Clearly, I didn't get the memo. Neither did you. Uh, So I've now changed that to another podcasting service. Anyway, I'd never followed that link. So if you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed this program, please go on to whatever podcasting service you use and write a review of Box Cutters because it will help other people find the show and uh, and make them enjoy it a little bit more. Mm. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Queen Josie, bonjour. I continue to be Brett Cropley. <laughs> Brett Cropley, part two. Happy You've Bastille Day. You've said your bit. Shut up now. That's shut it. Up now. Just N- shut up now. No man has ever told me to shut up in Thanks my Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. <laughs> <laughs>